Ordinals is a brand new space, and for a lot of artists, they're unsure about why Ordinals? What's the difference between Bitcoin NFTs and other NFTs? What do you need to think about before inscribing on Bitcoin? Today, we're going to answer some of those questions with Rusang, who's just released her much-anticipated collection, Chromatica Ordinals, and Eki, who's helping a traditional European fine artist, Volker, release his collection in the coming weeks. This is Ordinals Learn Space with Ordinals Friends, and we are here to learn about the brand new world of Ordinals. Let's go. I've been doing well. I think that, um, you know, I launched a project a few weeks ago, um, Chromatica Ordinals, and these two days, like, the first shipments are out, so just a lot of logistics, but I've been good. We're Right after this, we're going to, you know, ship out another, like, 10 or so. Yesterday, we did, like, 35, so, you know, more are coming out. <laughs> awesome. Busy. Sounds like a busy time, it. Are you doing that all by yourself, or are you part of a team? Yeah, just me and my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's good because he's very handy, and, and, you know, I'm the one just matching everything off, just making sure everything's right, and there's just, like, just multiple checks, and because it's all, like, physical framing, and, you know, everyone chooses their frame and everything, so it's all, like, find a piece, frame it, package it, you know, and make sure that all the addresses and everything, it's it's so... It, you, it makes you, like, really appreciative of what you do in crypto, where you put in an address, you know, you send a transaction, and you're done, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so if you don't know, if you haven't seen Rasung's uh, Project Chromatica, definitely check it out. It's one of the um, – I think it's a beautiful collection. Um, it's beautiful, but also um, Rasung's working really hard in getting physicals out for each piece which I haven't heard of in the Ordinals space yet. Um, but very thankful to have Rasang here um, and, and hear from an artist's perspective about what what do artists need um, to get into the space and, and, and to start inscribing? What do they need to think through? Um, what are the processes? Uh, what are the hiccups that have happened? Um, uh, good day from Volker's team. I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, thanks. Um, so I'm unfortunately not Volker myself. I'm representing him today, um, and I'm one of the core team members. And uh, since I've been working with him for, I think it's one and a half, uh, one and a half years by now, um, pretty much went through everything that an artist would go through if he decides to um, launch a project um, on Ordinals. And uh, yeah, and therefore, I think there's a definitely a lot of things that um, could be considered, uh, certain limitations, and yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Eki. Um, much, much appreciated. Um, and I know you're from Volker's team, but also from a, an organization called Arties, um, which has been helping NFTs, uh, artists and NFTs for, for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very happy that you could be here. Rasang's, you know, it's launched Chromatica, couple of weeks ago um, and that's still going out and then you're about to launch and have the experience of bringing a project to launch um, in, a, in the next couple of weeks uh, with an established art. Yeah, actually also, I also meant that one of Rishang's uh, uh-huh. um, artworks, pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um, you know, got a support where um, supporters do and um, yeah, you were about to mint and I mean, I'm pretty jealous because like she like going through the minting process of pretty much any project is very stressful right um, a lot of moving pieces so we are looking forward to finally get out um, what we have been working on for more than a year by now um, with Oka so yeah excited about that 
awesome. Yes, yeah, so looking very much looking to hear your perspective. I know you're not an artist yourself, but um, more of a technical and project management and, and kind of uh, marketing aspects as well, which I think is really valuable. Um, to start off with, Sang, um, to hear a little bit about your background um, as an artist, but particularly as an artist getting into NFTs and then ordinals, um, how, how did that all happen? Yeah, I think that, you know, I have always been an artist on the side and not as a career, just because I think that, you know, if you have to put a price on art, that puts a lot of pressure on creativity and everything. And so I was kind of doing everything on my own time. And this year really, you know, started with like the OE meta, you know, had a few tokens and just kept doing burns and wanting to engage and, you know, grow an audience on ETH. And that's what happened and really grateful for for that in a sense. And, um, you know, Ordinals came about because I read up as, as someone who's just really deep in the markets and in communities, you just read up on, you know, what's happening with, with Ordinals digital artifacts and, you know, um, you know, sp- special sats or, or historical sats, if you will. And, you know, find that there's such a strong narrative for digital artifacts, it being on-chain, you know, immutable art that you inscribe um, onto ordinals and, and, you know, personally wanted to stay, stay true to my own roots of being a physical artist as opposed to a digital, digital artist and wanting to drop a collection that, you know, it, it came when it came and it felt like it was perfect. And I've wanted to experiment with scrape art for quite a while and, you know, ordered the supplies and kind of just went with it. And it came out, you know, so beautifully. And, you know, certain pieces that I could not have imagined come out so beautifully came out so beautifully. And I, you know, started posting, um, started posting process videos. And it just really, you know, um, started posting like process videos. And that really, you know, resonated with people. And um, really happy to have gotten the the um, feedback that I've gotten from, from my, from, from my audience. And that was something that, you know, just, just kind of, wh- I went from there and, and really just had yeah. the connections that I had within Ordinals and built connections and, and helped me with that process. Like the Inscribe Pepe team and the Ordinal Geese team were instrumental in Chromatica Ordinals and helping me with both the inscription part of things and sort of some of the digital assets. And so, um, you know, having people to help was, was definitely, um, a yeah. great thing. Yeah, um, just with, on on that process videos, um, I think was that what what was the idea behind that? Was that to add value or like interest, or was it like you know as a pushback against you know AI art kind of thing? What, what was the thinking behind it? Um, you mean like just the art style, or no, the the just doing the idea of releasing the process videos themselves. Ah, I've always, to be honest, I've done time lapses on ETH that, you know, have gotten pretty, people really enjoy that. And I found that I, I enjoy, you know, the process is also artistic and, you know, AI art is art, physical art is art. It's, it's just different people's expressions. And I wanted to, I enjoyed looking at these videos. I enjoyed making them and I wanted to share that. And it wasn't really as much, um, as an artist, I really believe in community and, as a web three specific, like web three artists, I care about how people feel about art. And that was a, a huge crux of this project was just to be able to sense what people like, especially through the on cyber and through the physicals, you know, picking your frame and everything. 
and and I'm downloading all that information of what people like. And I think that this, you know, people resonated with the process videos. And that was a huge part of marketing that was organic because people enjoyed looking at these videos. And when you enjoy looking at these videos, you'll click. And it's not it's not as much engagement farming, but it's it's really just trying to find people that resonate. Yeah. And that's what, you know, builds a strong core of of truly people who like art. And in this space, you know, it's it's so easy to you know, figure like to to be swayed in one way or another because other people think that, you know, this is what's hype. So you kind of swayed by things that are not sustainable. And I didn't want to do that. And, you know, everything that I kind of chose to do was very um in my view, very thoughtful and and you and and very specific. Like there are very specific reasons why I do certain things. And so that's why I launched this the way I knew best as someone who's, you know, have been an alpha caller in many communities, have been a collab manager in many communities. You just, I kind of wanted to take care of this process the way I thought was best. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I really love watching your process videos. It's, it's quite mesmerizing in a way. Um, and yeah, I hope it becomes more of a thing. I haven't seen too much of it again in the in the ordinal space, perhaps because a lot of it is digital art and maybe, maybe process videos are a little bit harder to do with digital art. I'm not sure. Um, but I imagine you could still do it. Um, yeah, so interested to hear your thoughts. Like, Eki and um, Rasan, you both came from the East space, as I understand it. Um, and we've seen the NFT market, you know, um, it's been quite weak uh, in the past little while. What would you say to perhaps artists who are traditional artists and, and haven't yet come over to NFTs, what would you say about, you know, why are ordinals any different? Um, and uh, like NFTs kind of just have had their hype and then they've kind of just fallen down. So why should I even get into this space? Um, can you share? And I, I asked that question because I've spoken to a few artists uh, and, and, they're, and they're of that mindset that NFTs are just going to fade away um, and, and there's really no reason to get in. So, so what, what would you say to that? Should I start, Rusang? Yeah, might as well. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay, awesome. Um, so I think um, the issue and why a lot of thread artists and also digital artists are very hesitant, right, to join the, the NFT space is obviously because they um, see a lot of, I guess, things that aren't as pleasant in regards to how artists um, would like to work. Um it's also very complicated because you obviously need the technical knowledge, you need the right network because there's been also a lot of big traditional artists with a huge track record that just failed within the space, right? Because this space is just so much different compared to anything else that they've seen before and have worked in. Um, and therefore, it, it obviously makes sense, in my opinion, um, that there's some hesitation and um, also some doubt about um, joining the NFT space. Um, I do also agree with um, the last sentence that you said in regards to um, NFTs are going away. Um, but I think, like, obviously NFTs, as they are, are not going away. But definitely, uh, definitely, and I think we're seeing that within the past, well, few months, actually. Um, art and a few other collections um, with, um, for example, specific things such as the community aspect is very strong, for example. Those NFTs, in my opinion, will stay and art obviously always will be a thing. Um, but I do think that those, I guess, more degen-like things will not get as much attention anymore in the future, or hopefully at least. 
Um, and people are becoming more thoughtful about what they're actually getting themselves into, uh, which also I think is a very important um, step within the space. Um, there's obviously always going to be DJ and stuff, um, and obviously there's also a place for it. But again, I think the, the space is changing for the better, like slowly but shortly. And with that, I think more artists uh, will decide to, you know, take the risk and join. And as long as there's people to assist them, I think, um, you know, um, all of those artists that decide to join can actually find the right audience, um, especially also what we're saying described, right? Like it's just about how you approach um, the marketing side um, because there are enough people that truly appreciate um, art within the space. You just got to find them. And that's obviously the hardest uh, part about it. So is the, just from the trad artist coming onto NFT perspective, mm -hmm. is, the, is there a, is it a growing is the is the direction towards that like an nft piece will be worth as much as a physical piece or uh, like how 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 are trend collectors thinking about it yeah i think um i i do not think that the digital art pieces by the um by traditional artists should be worth the same as um the trade art pieces because it's not the same effort right um depending on obviously how the collection was created which obviously you know depending on how that has a huge impact um, but I do think that trad artists, especially established ones that have, a na uh, have made a name for themselves, uh, it's just about creating a collection that is appealing for their um, customers, right? For those who have already collected their art and at the same time making sure that this concept also works within um, the NFT space. And if that is the case, I do think that um, their digital art pieces can also be valued um, very close to what their um, physical pieces are worth. Um, but I think also like the beauty of it is right, like you pretty much eliminate the entry barrier that usually uh, is in place. Um, even for Volker, for example, if you would decide to get any of his paintings, like the minimum amount of money that you have to spend is um, like 12K USD, for example. And obviously like not a lot of people can afford that. And that's why I think digital art and pretty much, you know, doing collections like um, these makes a lot of sense just to allow more people to, um, you know, collect his art. Um, and I think that actually is for us um, the, the biggest reason why, or for Boca personally, the reason why he decided to actually join the space and, you know, try his luck with digital art. Yeah. And I guess you can definitely see the, the argument for wanting to grow your collector base like it's like you say it's a, it's a much easier logistically and and cost cost wise barrier to, to entry as a collector um and then switching to the, i think yeah sorry you go sorry go ahead no no you go i was I think that the, so the physical part, though, I think is very important. And that's why I love what Rizang did with her um, art collection. Um, I think the physical um, side of it is very important. And that should not be lost when a traditional artist is entering the space, right? Um, and we made sure that, obviously, apart from prints, there also are actual physical pieces included in the collection. Because depending on, you know, who the art collector is and what they prefer, they can also get a physical, for example, um, or the digital piece. It's just about eliminating that entry barrier that usually, you know, again, as already mentioned, um, is present with um, established trad artists um, and just them being able to expand um, their reach and their audience because obviously the collector's demographics um, are also changing. And I think a lot of people within this space actually will become very, um, well, like a, a lot of them will become art collectors in the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and and Rasang, um, your, your thoughts about the the direction of NFTs, but also um, artists thinking about what chain and and why ordinals. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that narrative matters. And for, I'm not sure that I would have done the same thing if I, it was just digital. Because as someone who, you know, takes pride in her physical work, I couldn't, I don't think I could have done this collection without the physical element. And it just would take away so much of the fun for, for it. And I think that, you know, these two days, like having some shipments go out and I'm really thinking about like, quote unquote, how to tie provenance together physically and digitally, because I've thought about this quite a lot the last two years from, you know, projects like Antonym, where there's like a physical collectible that, you know, design wise, there's so many different designs and, you know, they are shipping physicals to people and a lot of the designs feel like one of ones, but obviously there's more additions and more supply. And one of the biggest questions I had at that time to the founder um, was, um, was how can people trade this on a marketplace? And he, at the time, was like, oh, I'm building up. I, I think that having a physical marketplace would be interesting. But once people claim that, that claim has no value. Um, you're, you can't protect your full price in that regard. But di- digital artifacts um, and on ordinals give a very unique opportunity to both have digital prov- like just provenance um, because it's immutable on-chain art one-of-ones and you have these physical one-of-ones and you end up having a very interesting dynamic of you know two sides of a pos- two like um, two sides of yin, yin, yin and yang that you know really you know really enforces what provenance really means in the end right it's kind of like what beanie mentioned a few days ago about you know artists having physicals and and really having you know token um authentication through having both and and that's something that indirectly like chromatica is it that's it like that's what we're doing here and you know and this is like a little bit of alpha and i I didn't i'm going to put out an announcement about this soon but i wanted to wait till first round of shipments have come out and they have a lot yesterday um but i'm i'm considering to add physical burns into this and um that's something that digitally we've seen so much yeah (laughs) like <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of adding physical burns because I think that, you know, when you can, and it's going to hurt me, it's going to hurt the collectors, but I love hard decisions. And I think that we, we've done that already through, um, you know, the on cyber people picking what they want on a first come first serve basis. And you see other projects kind of doing the same. Um, I took inspiration from Avril 15 um, in that they had a Google form of like all the pieces. So you have like to scroll through everything and you put in the ones that you like and they'll match make in the process in the end and you can buy that piece. But um, that's what I, I, you know, took inspiration and I want a Chromatica to be, people can pick what they want as long as it's first come first serve and you get to pick their top choice. And um, I've shared the story earlier, but you know, to, to be able to see someone who burned, we had like 95 plus burns the first day and that's, for me was like incredible because it shows that people are, wanted the physical art and the 50th burn and he, he, like his name is called artist and you know he got his first choice marigold bliss and to me it was like wow like the 50th person who burned still got their first choice that's crazy right like because it's not just like the top three person who gets their the top top ones and everyone else is stuck with a common or or whatever it's not it's every piece is a one-on-one and you're going to find something within the collection that resonates with you and some aren't and that's fine but some will and i'm surprised by there are pieces that i don't resonate with as strongly and they resonate with other people and that's what i believe is what truly is a diverse and can be timeless collection and this this was it and so back to like the alpha that i was dropping about like physical burns 
I envision opening like a window, a physical of time in the future, whether it's like months later or a year later, whatnot, where people who have the physicals and have the ordinal um, can is eligible to send me the physical and I will burn them together like, on stream or whatever it is or, or do a live um, exhibition for a week of the pieces that are going to get burned and then burn them together. And, um, and those people are eligible to claim another ordinal and another physical. And so that's something that I'm, I'm like toying with, but I really think that, you know, why not, you know, and, and it, that, that way I push like the supply of the physical will, will have, um, will go down there. Like, so you're, you're faced with a tough decision, right? But also the people who are going to have the ordinal and the physical together for true provenance will also go down. And so this, it's, it's a game and I love it. And I think that this is something that, you know, it'll push sort of a creative um, innovation forward because we've not seen something like this and I'm just so I'm so excited as I think about it I'm like this is gonna work <laughs> yeah uh, a physical burn that's wild I hadn't, hadn't never thought of it obviously um, but I just want to highlight a couple of things because I'm hearing a lot of things that you know stick out about Chromatica and and this isn't you know intended just to highlight the project itself but the aspects of it um, so you, you talked about having the on cyber gallery. So if, if you don't know, it's a digital gallery for NFTs. Um, you can do an on cyber gallery, and you're and you're letting people in slowly to pick the ones that they to pick the ordinal that they want, and then they would purchase from you. So that's what that's quite an innovative thing in itself. But you're also talking about um, having you, you've had physicals for your entire collection. That's another thing that. Um, you know, artists can do to make the collections a bit more innovative. And then now you're talking about, a, a, you know, a possible physical burn, uh, which I don't think has been done before. Plenty of digital burns, obviously. But yeah, well, that's Alpha there. So keep an eye out for that. That's That would be pretty interesting. Um, um, so I'm also, so I've been talking to a few artists recently. So, you know, so, so the other day Alpha Suntory Kids said, I just, I'm a, I'm a bit unsure, and and some other others have said I'm just waiting for the right piece to resonate with me before jumping in, and and some other people, some other galleries have said, you know, it's just not a priority at the moment. So I'm wondering what either of you guys, you know, Eki or Rasang would say to that. Is it, you know, is it is it too early now? Should they wait? Or yeah, what would you say? Are you um, referring to galleries, um, for example, or just art collectors in general getting um, artworks on ordinals? Or what was the question? Sorry. Um, yeah, so the people I've been talking to are both artists as well as you know curators, mm -hmm. curating galleries who would help artists get onto NFTs, mm -hmm. and some and they're saying you know I just not ready or um, yeah you know yeah I'm not ready or it's not a priority. I think. I think. Um, the main reason because at the end of the day like every artist you know you can view an artist as a business like you know the artist is trying to generate revenue the same as a gallery or pretty much any um, other player within the trade art space so they also obviously consider market conditions and stuff like that um, which I think is definitely something that has to be kind of you know considered um, and especially when um, talking to galleries that is their main reasoning right why they would actually be interested to join slash participate within the space um, I've talked to many galleries as well, and that is mainly 
um, their, well, their motivation behind it, right? Not all of them, obviously, but I'd say most of them. Um, and for artists that are actually interested just to connect with a new audience, um, I do think that obviously market matters, but at the end of the day, if, you know, the artist um, would be interested to release a low, um, low supply collection, it's just about getting the right people, right? And I think those um, people are around because regardless of the market, um, you know, they're here, they're trying to find art that they can resonate or they resonate with and they um, enjoy collecting. And therefore, I don't think um, market conditions should, you know, matter that much. And they do not matter too much for certain artists that are actually interested um, to participate within the space. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's a, it's com it completely depends on um, the artist and obviously also the gallery. Yeah, we're saying that. I saw you unmute before. Yeah, I think that, you know, um, we're going to start seeing a lot more artists come through. And, you know, obviously, like, first movers, you could take time. It's more like to how how fast you want to catch up on innovation and whether or not you see, you believe in, like, the digital artifact narrative. I, I personally, like, I I got into ordinals in February. I was, I, I minted the same things like people were minting. But I didn't really find the narrative appealing at the time until the sats came about. And I thought that these were cool and that, you know, that it's it's so powerful to be one of the first collections, like first fine art collections that, um, you know, inscribe on these special sats or, or, or historical sats. Right. Um, but I don't think that the same appeal when you're a bigger when you're a more, you know, commercial artist and you know you're on you're on you're on eth and you have an established sort of eth collector base i think that you're less experimental in that regard which can be you know a good and bad thing but you're a little bit more cautious because you know that you're if whatever you put in let's say you're you're an x copy or you're an ack and whatever you put in you put it like okay it's going to cost 50 30 costs 100 it's going to sell and it's not at that point like why why do i do it right and so I think that it's the smaller artists and, and the budding ones that are more like creatively more um, innovative or, or at least that you're chasing innovation because it's, it's something that you also want it to be definitive in your career. And that's something that I personally felt like Chromatica was a turning point in my career. And um, I was just super excited about it, but I can see why certain artists can be a little bit more cautious. Like they could be, they're in a different point in their career. So they don't, maybe it's like, you know, I, I think that Lucrest, for example, like, you know, his Tezos Burns, you know, where obviously he's one of the first ones like two, three years ago to actually do that. And so um, it, it's just people are in different points in their careers. So you don't have a need to, to, to prove yourself. And I, I had a, I had hunger and I had a need to do that. And um, it, this just felt like I just had to do it. Yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense about, um, there's there's no pressure or, or need, like you say, to to come across if you've got an established name and uh, you know and and doing really well on ETH. There's no there's no need um, to to be a first mover or to come across early, um, particularly when the infrastructure is not you know solid and sound um, yet. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so uh, really want to get into the meat of it in terms of artists are thinking about inscribing on ordinals um what what do they need to think about uh what do you wish someone had told you Rasang, um, before before doing that um yeah let's start there um i think that you need to network in the space and be um familiar with the narratives of what's happening 
before even, you know, like just doing your due diligence because, and like understanding market sentiment because nothing hurts an artist more if you drop a collection that doesn't sell out or you drop a collection that, you know, didn't, isn't thoughtful about supply. Um, and, and that's something that you have to be careful of like sustaining as well. And so it's, you know, longer term, you need to think about those things, whether or not it fits into your agenda um, and whether or not your va- your the value offering that you have and you're putting out has a place in the chain. And I think that if you're if you're thinking not to say like not to say pixel artists, you know, don't have space in, in the chain, but there's so much pixel art right now that you better you better have a narrative that if it's not art, it's some rare sat or whatever it is that helps your narrative better. But if you are just the hundredth um, pixel artist that that wants to drop there, like you have to be very careful of like um, you have to have an edge and whether or not it's community building or marketing or whatever it is, you need to be very confident in that edge before you, you decide to do that. Because I know certain pixel artists that have already have a place on the chain that they're very renowned. And so you're kind of competing against that. Right. And so whether or not, whether or not you want to, um, but obviously there within the art, if it's, if it really stands out, it stands out and art speaks for itself. So I just think that, you know, meeting people, talking to people, and there are a lot of people on ordinals that are very supportive of creators and, and uh, true creators, I would say it's, it's because obviously this chain has also invited, you know, uh, um, some bad actors with regards to, um, with, with regards to because it's an opportunity so but i found that you know certain incubators or or at least like what you guys are doing it originally right it's it's just ha- there's certain artists that are coming through you know including like foca and stuff and so being able to have be under the wings of other other more like experienced platforms i think it's a good thing and something that it, it could help with a leg up if you if you if you kind of employ that route yep so so really um, understanding the space first, getting to know the narratives, what's already happened, what are the trends, um, the metas. Uh, there's been so many shifting metas um, just even in a few months. Um, that, that That's a really good place to start, as you say, Rasan. Um, and, and just to hear from you, Eki, as well, um, wh- how did you advise Volca? You know, he's a, I don't know, 60-something-year-old, I think uh, <laughs> Austrian artist, is it? And then, yes, um, correct. Yeah, what are you telling him about? You know, the text so, the you know very start and, and what he needed to know. Yeah, I mean to be honest, at first, like we obviously um, weighed options, like the options we had. Um, we had the, the smart contract done for Eve for months at the point um, when we um, first thought about potentially switching to PTC. Uh, it was at the time when people were still doing um, OTC trades with uh, with those spreadsheets, uh, which obviously, since we have trad art customers involved, that didn't really suit kind of you know their expectations. Uh, also, talked to HO about it like back in the day. Um, obviously, very lucky to um, you know have um, had him or have him um, support with all of that pretty much um also back then like a few months ago um and and we also then do well due to this reason because there just wasn't a marketplace around um decided to not do it on btc 
um, because obviously it was new. There were not a lot of developers who were, would have been able to assist. So it's all new, and um, we wanted to make sure <clears throat> that his art customers are able to participate um, because some of them, you know, they, um, they, they prepaid and stuff like that. So we just want to make sure that it's not too complicated for them um, because at the end of the day, we want this piece to be a val very valuable and unique um, collector's piece uh, for his existing clients as well, right? Um, and well, a few months a few months passed, and um, marketplaces were around. Um, Magic Eden launched their um, BTC marketplace, um, and we revisited uh, revisited re sorry conversations uh, with HO, and uh, you know we thought about it again um, because we I always was interested in um, dropping NFTs on BTC. I minted a few in the early days, but I just was like, you know, if if there's no developments, then well nothing is going to happen. Um, and at first I felt like it was a bit slow because it took some time um, for a marketplace to pop up. Um, and once they did, I think, you know, it was pretty clear for me personally, just based on how ordinals work. Um, and I think the biggest um, value that is being um, added is that the art actually is on chain. Obviously that also can be done with Eve. I just feel like it's a more prestigious, less prominent thing to do um, um, on BTC. Um, which I guess also leads uh, me to the first point, uh, which is, uh, you know, the additional costs involved. Uh, if an artist decides to um, inscribe his collection on BTC, that definitely is something that um, I was surprised about. I mean, um, the first time I uh, talked to HO about it, um, I think we would have paid, uh, I think it was 7K USD per artwork to inscribe because we have um, we had 3k uh, or even 6k resolution artworks um, which obviously like if, if it would have inscribed the whole collection I think it would have cost us 1.5 million USD which yeah like that would not have made a lot of sense um, so we obviously we were we were checking you know if is does it actually make sense for us to change the art um, because you know if the, the art um, suffers that much just for the sake of launching um, on BTC I do not think it would have been a, a smart move and um, we kind of tested our grounds uh, we're releasing some um, new artworks that we will inscribe on BTC and people actually like them more um, which you know I, I guess kind of surprised me at first um, but obviously also I'm, I'm, I'm biased when it comes to um, the art side because we've been working on it for so long um, and yeah which is figured if the quality is still high enough, if people like it, um, and we obviously, I also um, like the the collection a lot, uh, the way it came out. I think it just is a bit more unique on BTC. Again, art inscribed on the chain. Uh, it doesn't matter what happens to us. It doesn't matter what happens to Boca. The art is always going to be on there, which I think could not be said about if if all you pretty much get is a um, a token that links to like an IPFS folder with the artworks on there. I think. Again, it's just not as unique and prestigious. Um, and yeah, so like, I mean, pretty much everything um, everything that we sang said as well, like you need the network in order to execute it. Um, because otherwise, like with it's it's already difficult um, for a thread artist to, to launch your collection on Eve. Like, you know, a lot of them failed regardless of how big they are. And BTC, just because it's, newer like it's it's very young uh, we're still like extremely early i'd say obviously um it's just way more complicated uh it's more expensive i'd say it's like um, the old eve days where um, people paid absurd amounts of money to mint um like you know just in gas fees and stuff like that um it, i think that's kind of the stage we're at right now um in regards to people willing to pay 
a good amount of money to just be on the uh, BTC blockchain. Um, but yeah, that's the, I think those are the main points for me or for us personally. Yeah. And and Volca didn't really like for Volca it didn't um, matter too much about like you know which chain he's going to be on because like first of all i don't think art should be limited to just one chain like it should be available everywhere right which like in the best case um and for him he just liked the idea about the art actually being on the chain instead of just uh linked to an ipfs um like an ipfs folder um, because that's the only thing he always kind of you know didn't like when we started working on the concept and stuff like that and when we taught him or like we tried to teach him how the technical side works he never understood why people just you know take it as it is when it comes to the art being stored essentially um in a like a, a folder system and you are actually just in possession of the token and not directly the art yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so so the fees and the cost of inscribing on bitcoin as a canvas um itself is really um, you know, it's not, I'm not going to say challenging. It's, it's not necessarily challenging, but it's that there are restrictions put in place yeah. by the canvas itself. Um, so I'm wondering if we were saying um, for your pieces, um, was how did inscribing on Bitcoin as a canvas, what were the thing, the parameters you had to work in um, that changed what you would have done on ETH, for example? If I, I, I share the same sentiment, if I had my own way, I would inscribe the full file size, like one one to two megabytes, which would cost which would cost me like one Bitcoin each. And so, you know, a big stress point was file sizes and um which is also why there's so much like pixel art, because from a pixel perspective or, or even like recursion, if you have like trait based layers, you could really afford to do like ten, twenty, thirty kilobyte pieces um and obviously like people who want to spend on on the inscription you can go higher but for us you know it was like 100 to 200 kilobytes and that was that was that was the most compromise i can do and all the holders get you know have the full size files that are available to them and obviously the physicals which is a whole different dimension when you see them but um because you just can't as much as you can you can have the best printer or best scanner you know, physicals are physicals. You can't you can replace that physical joy of just seeing paint, um, because digitally, you know, there's you could still see you could still street see dimensions to it, but it's just different. And so, and I think that you know, Voca and what whatnot, he would also really agree. You know, physical joy is just something that is different from as a physical artist. That's also why you're a physical artist, right? You're not, you're not a digital artist pretending to be physical and, and, and doing physical like art, because I think that takes away from that process. And so um, for me, you know, it was such a back and forth conversation and we were waiting. Um, it took us like a week and a half just to get all the, or even two weeks just to get all the files inscribed just because we were waiting for, I was so price sensitive because I was already spending 10, 15 ETH of inscription costs um, given the file size and, and for a 100 supply, 130 supply collection. And so um, it was it was definitely a process and it's definitely not as cheap as ETH, but I think that it's worth it if you believe, um, stubbornly believe the, in digital provenance and, and just having a collection like that as digital artifacts longer term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, li a little bit before, before I think you mentioned Rasang about um, rare sats, I, I'd rather use the term significant sats, uh, unless we're talking about a, an actual rare sat. Um, 
so some artists, you know, have come in and they're hearing about, you know, pizza sets and uh, Block 78s and, and this project did this well. Like OMB was on Block 9 and Nullish was on Block uh, block 9 and Uncommons. And I've got a, all of the high-end trending projects on Magic Eden have these special sats that they're using. Um, what, how important do you think it is um, for for your kind of art or for artists of similar persuasion to to, to if do they you know I think they probably do feel pressure to to look into it and what would you say to them? I think that rare okay so you see a lot of narratives that are coming up in the space where okay like uncommon rares those are really rare stats and I think that those arguments are just you know, like, why are we even talking about the canvas, right? Like, if a blank canvas is just a canvas that's blank, it doesn't really matter what your, what your, what your, you, you know, what your canvas material is. Uh, it, what matters more is what you put on it, right? And so there's this entire thing about, okay, like, you should only buy rare stats, whatever. It's like, okay, like, I think that when I dropped Chromatica and when I was debating and my people in my DMs are, okay, like, you can buy on Commons, you can buy this for this amount of money. I was much rather willing to invest in inscription size and my file size than I was on rare sets because that just didn't matter to me. Even without without block seventy eight sets that I inscribed on, it just didn't. It wasn't something I cared to to even you know. It's it's something nice to have, not a must have. But in this market, you see different projects that have different narratives, and I think that we've seen that where some block seventy eight sat projects that you know are not authentically art. I, I think that, you know, or, or at least they sell themselves at, they didn't sell out, right? And so it's interesting to see that level of stuff. But creators that are genuine about their creations that don't market in a way that you're minting this just because it's block 78 sats or block whatever sats, I think that those are the ones that have done better be and from a longevity perspective are going to be here because they're not talking about those sats because people can just buy those sats, right? They're talking about their art and that's what matters. And that's what I would encourage people to look at because unless you're baking in cost and showing people that math, it doesn't really matter what you're inscribing on um, unless that's part of making your canvas, you know, elevating your canvas even more. But if you don't have the fundamentals of what you're putting on that canvas, forget it. Those things don't matter. It's just frills. Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. Like you don't hear that perspective. Well, maybe just in my own little bubble, I don't often hear that perspective that the sats don't matter, that the canvas is only as good as what you put on it. Like, it's interesting. Um, in, in my little bubble, I oh, hear, you know, rare sats are really cool. And, and I think a, a bit of that is projects need to stand out, like you said before, and, and in some in some ways that projects use to stand out is, oh, I've got these uncommon sats, which are, are truly rare and scarce, and that does make them stand out. But perhaps what's more important or, you know, perhaps what is more important is what is what is put on there, the content and the art or uh, the material that's being inscribed itself. Um, yeah, so that, I think that's a really interesting perspective uh, for artists to hear, particularly if you feel pressured that, oh, I need to have these special pizza sets and things. Um, just related to that, what do you think of being on a full block or sequentially inscribed are you of the same mind um either you know you eki or Rasang. is it the same for you uh you could take it um, 
Okay, I think um, there definitely are certain technical things that kind of, for me personally, add value, right? Um, but in regards to inscribing uh, on certain sets, I do um, agree with uh, Resang. Like at the end of the day, if, even if you like, if you visualize it and you're at a um, art gallery, right? And there's a normal canvas, and then there's like a golden canvas that is worth 10k, for example. Um, and it, it completely depends, at least for collectors, uh, it depends on, you know, do they first like the artist and then do they resonate, uh, resonate with the artwork that is actually, um, you know, that you can see. Because if you paint over gold, for example, you know, um, or on gold, um, it doesn't really matter um, as long as you, you know, you're willing to spend the money because, well, you get the artwork uh, on a gold canvas. If that's more valuable to you, it is, right? Um, but I do think at the end of the day, um, the art matters. Um and if you find someone that cares also about, for example, the material that was used, and then if you put it in like BTC terms, I guess it's the sets, for example, like a pizza one, for example, um, which obviously there's going to be people that value that way more um, just based on the, you know, canvas, if you want to, again, put it into comparison, the, uh, comparison that was used then for sure. But I think, um, yeah, it, it definitely at the, end, at the end of the day, um, the, the art matters. Um, and um, that also is supposed to be the case, in my opinion. Um, and for inscribing into one full block for example which you mentioned um i do think um depending on the collection size right this can add value um and also think how you try to play the narrative um i mean that's like you know like what we have tried to do right obviously um and i do think that this can add value but it's extremely difficult and expensive and i guess for certain artists it potentially is not worth the risk uh, in regards to the financial side um but um i think the people that are more uh, that care more about the technical side and like the sad side they will obviously appreciate that and therefore value the art more compared to people that do not care about like i guess the fancy stuff that is you know um added to the art itself yeah everything i saw you unmute before uh, no, no, that's that's uh, oh. I, I I agree with the sentiment. So feel free to yeah. continue yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought a really uh, a good balance point, um, Eki, that your yeah, values in the art of the beholder or beauties in the eye of the beholder. So, um, you know, people buy Rolexes with diamonds and without diamonds. Um, so it's just um, different horses for different courses. It's a little um, extra, I'd say. Yeah, a little, a little bit extra. Um, uh, and you know, we we have tried to get uh, collections on a single block recently, and it's, it's actually proven impossible. So, literally impossible. Every miner uh, out there has not been able to do it, <laughs> regardless of cost. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Um. So I think. One of the initial points that we talked about was finding the network to help you. And, and Rasang, you talked about finding uh, the really awesome people at Inscribe Pepe, like Al and Waves, V-Man. And, and um, so for artists and how important that is to find for artists in, in, in this early stage of the space. And I just wonder how you, if you could share some wisdom about how you did that or how, how artists can find this network of people to help them. Yeah, I think that, you know, pe some people are going to close doors at you and some people are going to open their doors for you. Um, it's, it's a blessing that I found 
uh, owl really early on and pixelstat that um, helped me with just answering my questions and just bouncing thoughts around around sats and around um, just you know inscribing costs and so I was like comparing different things and you know what's cool about owl is that he they him and Mr. Tax um, inscribed my entire collection without charging me until the end and and it wasn't even the end it was more like a few days after because they were just either too busy or too rich and they just didn't really like want to charge me and I was like no dude like let me give you like let me, I need to pay for this so you can't just like give me a collection you know that cost 10 15 ETH. and so it was so nice that you know they were creator friendly but also um just really cool about it right and I think that Obviously, during this process, you're going to get different people, different quotes. So just like shop around and 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 just see what your options are, because most people are not trying to take advantage of creators um, of solo teams. Like you're not an institution launching a project, but you want to also be careful, like taking care of your interests and not you know stretching yourself too thin, because you don't know if your project's going to mint out. You don't know if people are going to mint your project, and so you don't want to be in a you know in a stressful situation where you've invested so much money and you know, you're not going to be able to even cover your costs, right? And so this is the first time that I've bootstrapped so much money down into a project. And I was just glad that, man, if I had launched a day later, you know, I would, that, which is the day Zuki crashed in like July 1st, and I, I would not, you know, I would not be in a good place. So I'm very grateful that, um, you know, my collectors believed in me. And another part of it is also having support. And I spent a lot of time on spaces the two weeks prior um, talking a lot about my vision, who I am, and and sort of my artistic trajectory, um, and a lot of my ETH collectors really believed in me, and and though they served as the foundation for for my Chromatica whitelist, and I had comfort in knowing that these are people that I can trust, um, and you you know in the face of collabs, and I think a lot a big pitfall is like a lot of artists get a lot of collab inquiries. And you can't, you don't know, because you're not a super active participant in the market, you don't know how to filter them. And so I was, the way I did collabs was waitlist only. And only the people that are actively engaging either on spaces or in the community that I would just, I would, I would highlight them for whitelist. And so, and otherwise it was just people I know that were on whitelist. And I, I think that just having a broad network over the years has helped, you know, who, who's who and who, like the different people's different reputations and so I can imagine that for an artist that have, haven't have never managed a collab process it, co it can be quite daunting when you get so many dms but the real conversion of these people really minting it's just they're just looking for a flip and so that's something that I'm very wary about the people who truly are here for the art are far and few in between and you have to go into a mindset of not being not feeling like you're they're stroking your ego trying to get whitelist because for them, it's an optionality that they're trying to get. For you, you want to get a confirmation that they're actually interested in the project. And so I made it really difficult to, for someone to maintain their whitelist. And, you know, and I was holding a lot of personal sessions within the Discord that because we had a big process of minting and burning and all that. And so I wanted to make sure that everyone was very clear about that process beforehand. So everyone on Chromalist needed to confirm that by joining a, a small group VC. And I did like multiples of that. So I spent a lot of time cultivating that whitelist and building that relationship because that was, I didn't matter about the 101 person that was going to, that was interested in project, but I care about the people that are interested and I want, and, and that retention matters to me. So that experience from digital to physical 
you know, we currently have all the tickets open of the people who have burned and, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I need to update everyone on their tracking and hopefully there are no mishaps because all of that is, is your opportunity to build a collector base and build people to trust you and build trust. And I can't afford sort of mistakes along that way. And so that's how I've been, you know, you kind of have to be very careful of overstretching and making sure that you're not promising people things that you can't deliver. But for the people that you promise deliver, you better, you, you, you have to, like, you know, kick it out of the ballpark. Yeah, well, I love that. Um, I guess I'm hearing um, there's a lot of kind of love and care put in and a lot of hard work put in by yourself um, into carefully curating your collectors, making it really hard um, to get on the wait list and maintain that. The one-on-ones, I think, sounds like a really good way to do that. Sorry, the one-on-one discussions, sounds like a really good way to do that. Um, and also heard, you know, finding the right people and feel free to shop around the people to support you uh, with the technical side um, and getting you there is really important too. Okay, really awesome. Um, anything to add, Eki, as well on, on that, on those points? No, I think um, that sums it up pretty much. Um, cool. I, cool. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's pretty much everything. Um, yeah, and obviously curating um, or getting the right people involved um, is very difficult and obviously the process um resangchos is the only one that works in my opinion when uh, you're doing something like that um but also there's like a fine line between you know you need attention for the project because you're obviously trying to get the bird out and stuff like that um and um, at the same time you're not trying to provide spots to certain communities that you know they might get you great engagement but then at the end of the day, those are the ones that end up, um, you know, destroying your project on a secondary market because their interest is a completely different one compared to the one that you're actually looking for. Um, I mean, our approach was doing um, applications with um, selected communities um, and we pretty much handpicked um, about every single person that is on the guaranteed spot list, um, apart from like certain communities um, that, you know, um, while we talked to, uh, we reviewed their application. They took their time to go through um, the application. We uh, checked some of their uh, claims and stuff like that. And, you know, hopefully um, this actually was the right decision. Obviously, I think there's definitely a, a few more things we could have done. But since, you know, um, we're also going to um, involve Bocas customers um, during and after the Mint, I think at the end of the day, those who truly care about the art will be the ones that are holding it at the, uh, at the end of the day and they will be happy about it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, in general, it, it's sounding like if you're launching a project, you, you really need to put in that work. You really need to get out there on Twitter spaces. Um, you really need to curate your collectors. Um, yeah. So a lot of artists that we're hearing from, I think, kind of want us to do everything. Um, and we can do the technical side and we can, can help it uh, in a sense of connecting and partnering, um, uh, of course, in consultation. But uh, a lot of it's, you know, the artists, I think, uh, putting in some of that um, that work around their own community. Um, so I guess as, as we start to finish up, um, keen to hear from you both about where you think the space is going. Um, do you think it's still growing, going from strength to strength, or do you think, you know, we're in, in a bit of a lull? Do you see this space getting to those, if, you know, there are still... Um, pieces from ETH that are being auctioned off at Sotheby's and, and Christie's. Are we heading in that direction? 
So, so yeah, your perspectives on the future. Um, um, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I think uh, again, I, I've mentioned this before. I think art is here to stay. Um, because you know, why wouldn't art uh, be a thing within like ten years from now within the digital art space? Like, art has been around for pretty much ever. Um, I think there's more thread art customers coming in that are interested in participating, right? Um, because now it's becoming pretty clear what actually, you know, is a quality project and which um, and what project was just based on hype. Um, and you know, once the hype is gone, you know, what's left is the art, pretty much, because the community obviously also is going to uh, shy away if the floor price um, is getting too low. Um, and therefore, I think, you know, um, we're slowly getting to the point and also based on the conversations I'm having with galleries, museums uh, and artists um, that they're kind of getting a bit more comfortable to enter the space now because they feel like those that are still there, right, they truly care about the space. Um, and obviously, I think it's going to take a bit more time, but uh, I think digital art is just going to be as prominent um, as physical art in 10 years from now. If you like compare how crazy the market uh, grew over the past two years and compared to the thread art market, um, you know, it definitely won't go away and it's, it's here to stay like uh, a thousand percent certain about that. Yeah, I think that I, I agree with that. I think that the thesis of just art having a place in the world is obviously not, um, it's something that I would be very shocked that anyone would say that no art is going to die, <laughs> you know, and so in NFTs, it's a it's a new canvas where, you know, digital artists really get to sh shine. And so I think that you're going, you know, physical art is art, AI art is art, digital art is art. There's so many different forms, you know, and you see like generative art, there's so much out there and I'm learning so much on a daily and that's something that, you know, as for for artists and or for quote a broader term is just creators right you have so many more languages that you can express yourself this is the time to explore and to stretch because every day i'm reading on a new thread that's capitalizing on some new technology where you know for example today oxdgb did um he his his pieces have um through the um transient labs is you know that he has a token that could stretch different aspect ratios depending on the canvas the digital canvas which i think is so cool because that's such a pain point when you have a digital canvas that is a certain size and the piece is you know gets cropped because it's it's fixed to a certain size right and so you have these different people breaking boundaries on a daily just to just to smoothen the process of of art um being presented to the audience and, you know, with what we're doing at Chromatica and, and with like physicals and, and digitals and really exploring that relationship down the road, I think that, you know, artists are going to be creative in that regard. And without creative innovation or creative living, you're not going to have more people pushing the bounds and creatives lead, lead the way because they're dreamers. And, you know, there are other people who are going to execute that idea in a, in a more efficient way down the road, but it's creatives that are going to do that first. And so you see the same thing with like recursion and, and artists using that to, to, you know, do bite size of their pieces and create a huge map or whatever. And that's something that I definitely, I I'm just at all. And I wish that I have more time during a day to do more and to explore more because, wow, like I just feel like there's so much I want to do and I can't wait to, you know, personally do it. And I'm sure a lot of artists feel that way. And 
you know, as the market is grim and you you think about, you know, PFP projects or everything like, or anything like that, you know, you can kind of look to artists and find comfort in the innovation that they're doing and the creative creativity that they're bringing because that makes you hopeful that the space has more to offer than your, like, ruggers and shitcoins and everything like that that's just, you know, quick pump and dumps. Mm-hmm.